Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week, we are talking about anxiety in the first and second trimester. Now, this is something that is very common and probably something that most of us can relate to. I'm going to just go out on a limb and say that this is something that probably every pregnant woman has experienced at some point in their pregnancy at one time or another. Definitely. I don't think I know anyone who hasn't felt this because... When you're newly pregnant and you, you know, you may not have any symptoms at all, you're wondering if you actually are pregnant or not, right? Well, yeah, because, you know, we take a test and then for a lot of women, they don't get a pregnancy, they don't get an ultrasound until at 12 weeks, 11 weeks, which could potentially for some women be two months. Yeah, here in Ontario, that's what it is. I know some other areas, like I know in the States, sometimes they do it a little bit sooner. I want to say like six weeks ish, but like in Ontario, it's usually around the 12 week mark. Well, the thing is though, like I know you can have an ultrasound or like an early ultrasound if you're under doctor care or if you're getting fertility treatments or you're at a fertility clinic, then you'll probably most likely be getting earlier um, ultrasounds. But if you're just a, you know, woman who gets pregnant, no help no support, takes a pregnancy test, you call your doctor, there's a very good chance that you're going to be waiting till 11, 12 weeks. And it's funny because my doctor didn't even, I don't even think he did any blood work. He just said, you took one of those tests and you're pregnant. I was like, yep. And he's like, congratulations. No way. (laughs) Yes way. Yeah. I don't, I didn't get any blood tests taken right away. Yeah. Well, well, that's a really good point is that, yeah, like you take the test, you for some people, maybe not you, but like, I know I, I do, but like you get a blood work to confirm the pregnancy and then you just wait until you schedule, you're told that you have to schedule an ultrasound at towards the end of your first trimester. And this is, this creates a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and thoughts of fear and anxiety for women. I know I have lived this, you know, so regularly and I think it's especially difficult when you have a previous experience of loss and miscarriage, um, because that just adds to the level of anxiety and fear of I'm doing this again. And then everything comes back fresh and raw and scary. And like, I can speak, you know, I having miscarried my first pregnancy, 
it doesn't get easier after you have a successful pregnancy. That fear is still always there. So, you know, I had these thoughts and these fears from the beginning of my pregnancy with Freya, which was, you know, after my first pregnancy, I've had it with my fear, with uh, my pregnancy with Finn, as well as with Maeve. Those fears don't go anywhere. Yeah. And even for me, like, I'm not really an anxious person, but it totally scared me the thought of of losing the baby or babies. And, you know, I did know a lot of people who had had miscarriages and um, I knew a couple people who had had later term miscarriages as well. So when you know people who've had things happen to them and miscarriage, especially like a first trimester one's fairly common, doesn't happen to everyone, but it is common. You know, that's the scary. Yeah, it's common. And I think it's maybe being spoken about a little bit more now than what it was even five years ago, because I know when I had my miscarriage, I knew of two people who had had a miscarriage. I knew of my mom and I knew of my aunt. Um, I didn't know of any of my friends who had experienced a miscarriage um, or coworkers. That was just not something. So I didn't realize how prevalent it is. And you're right. It is extremely prevalent. And a loss is a loss. It doesn't matter if it happens in your first trimester. At the beginning of your first trimester, it doesn't happen if matter if it happens in the middle of your trimester, your first trimester. It's just a loss is a loss. And and it's a hard thing to move past and it's a struggle and, and it's scary. And those fears continue on. And like you said, you know, in your first trimester, when you're waiting to see that heartbeat um, between getting a confirming blood test and getting to the ultrasound, you have those fears of, am I still pregnant? How do I know I'm pregnant? you know, how do I know I'm still pregnant past the, those, you know, the peeing on the stick or the blood test. It's just, those are really scary thoughts that are floating around in your head, or at least they do in mine. Well, I think women who tend to get really sick when they're pregnant, like not that, not that it's nice that you're getting sick, but because you're getting sick, you're like, oh, I'm getting sick because I'm pregnant. Right. And it's not that you don't worry you still might worry, but at least there's some sort of sign that you're pregnant. And I know with me both times, like I didn't get sick. And with the boys, I was really hungry. That was kind of my pregnancy symptom was that I was just really hungry, like to the point that I would get hangry. (laughs) And with Caroline, I was just tired. But like, besides that, it was like kind of business as usual for me. So it was always at the back of my head. I'm like, am I actually pregnant? Until you start to like see your body changing. Like, you know, once you hit usually like 14, 15 weeks, if it's your first one. Um, And some, some people it's later than that even. Well, that brings up a really good point because, you know, for a lot of women, especially in your first pregnancy, you don't start showing until later. So, or even in, you know, your second trimester, your third trimester, when people make comments of, oh, you're so tiny, you don't look like you're pregnant at all. You know, some people say that thinking that it's a compliment, but that can be really anxiety inducing because then you start thinking, is everything okay? 
am I not big enough? Is not, is, are things growing? Okay. Should I be bigger? Like people say it thinking that it's a compliment, but it's not, (laughs) you know, like for a lot, for a lot of people, that's really, really upsetting and scary. Just Mm -hmm. as like when people say, Oh, you're huge. Are you sure you're not due today? Like, you know, when they make comments about how big you are again, not a compliment doesn't make anybody feel good. Like, keep your comments to yourself on that. Like it shouldn't matter what my size is. Yeah. Well, I had a very good friend of mine who was very thin, but she was like tall and she didn't start showing with her first until she was like five months pregnant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she was like over 20 weeks when she was started to actually start showing that she was pregnant. Yeah. And so pe- people kept saying, are you actually pregnant? And she probably had these worries in the back of her head and then everyone's asking her if she's pregnant well yeah because like when you when you keep getting questioned about it you shouldn't have to prove yourself like yes I am pregnant I said I am I am I'm not going to joke about it so I think when like sometimes when you get those negative thoughts or those worries in your your mind you kind of have to reframe things and Uh, I always say you like flip the switch. So you go from something that's negative and turning it into something positive. So like when you start to worry about something, even like as your kids get older, you're going to worry, right? Like this is a mom thing. You are going to worry about that child forever. (laughs) I think once you start to worry, you have to like flip the switch. So you have to take your worry and you have to like flip it into like a reason not to worry. to reframe it you reframe it right and so like one of the things that really worked for me is affirmations an affirmation basically takes something that you're struggling with and like puts it in a positive light as to why you you don't need to worry about it right and I know my mom always said well there's obviously you're you are pregnant because there's no reason to suspect that you're not pregnant Right. Like that was kind of her little pep talk to me. And that kind of led to like some affirmations. Do you want to share one of your affirmations? Yeah. So I had kind of three and then I added a fourth one um, after after Freya. So at, when, when I was pregnant with Freya, I started a positive affirmation and I guess three of them, but I would say them all the time. Um, together. So it was, I will have a healthy pregnancy. I will have a healthy and happy baby and I will have a safe delivery. And sometime, and then um, after Freya and having her be born at 34 weeks, I added into my mantra, which carried into Finn's pregnancy and May's pregnancy was I will carry full term. Um, But I would I would have my, the fear that I had about having another loss was constant Um, for me because I had a missed miscarriage, meaning that I didn't just bleed and lose the baby. Um, It was undetected until I went for my, an ultrasound and they didn't find a heartbeat. So um, for me, I had to really stick with like trying to reframe the negative into the positive. And I would say these positive affirmations, literally, you know, there were some days where it was all I was saying to myself. 
I had it written on post-it notes on the bathroom wall. Every, literally every time I went to the bathroom, um, I would pee. And before I would wipe, I would say, I would take, close my eyes and I would take calming deep breaths because I was scared that I would see blood, even though I didn't bleed with my, my miscarriage. But I, I always had that fear that I would find spotting or blood. Um, so I would close my eyes. I'd have toilet paper in my hand and I would take calming deep breaths and I would say these affirmations just over and over, over again, almost building courage up a little bit. And then I would wipe and I would look and then I would take a deep breath and I would kind of exhale. Um, but I had it on post notes in the bathroom. I had it in the kitchen. I had it um, on my dash of my car. And anytime that I had a negative thought that kind of made me question the pregnancy or the baby being healthy, um, I would be saying it. And sometimes I would just lay in bed, I, you know, at night, my mind wanders and I would be laying in bed and I would just be saying it to myself over and over and over again to the point where I just, I would stop when I started to relax and take deep breaths and calm down. I could feel that anxiety kind of kicking up and I would start saying it. And then when I would, I had to force myself to believe it. Um, and so when I say that I was telling myself these affirmations a lot and all the time, I'm not, it's not an exaggeration. They were rolling in my head. I could be shopping and I'd be saying them. Um, it was just every time that I feel that little bit of anxiety kick up, I would start saying these affirmations. Did you, I know your mom was telling you, you know, if you don't have anything to worry about, don't worry about it. But did you have an affirmation that you were using? Yeah, I would just kind of like, I was just kind of like, I am pregnant and there is no reason to suspect otherwise, right? That, that was kind of what I was telling myself. It was, it was an affirmation, but it was, it was just kind of like, I am pregnant. There's no reason that I should be worrying about this. There's no signs that I'm not pregnant. Like, I would just kind of like talk myself as to like, there's no reason for me to worry because, you know everything was going well and then with the boys I actually ended up showing soon like before my 12 week ultrasound I started to get a little bit of a belly on me because I was having twins <laughs> um and then of course with your second baby you kind of pop sooner so you know once I was showing that kind of affirmed to me that you know things were growing and they were growing the way they were supposed to be my whole kind of philosophy in general and like I'm still like this is that I kind of like put everything into place and do everything that I can do to get whatever result it is I'm looking for but then the rest is up to God or the universe or whatever your belief system is right and that's because like you can only do so much right like you can put things into place and then like other things can sometimes happen, but like you just kind of have to, that part of it, you have to let go, right? So like you're healthy eating, you're trying to get rest, you're trying to relax, you're taking your prenatal vitamins. So you're doing all the things that you can do. And then, you know, and to be honest with you, like doing the affirmations like you were doing is great because it brings your stress levels down and stuff, right? So instead of worrying and then like, have everything escalate it kind of like draws you back so that that you're taking care of yourself you're taking care of your baby you're you're in a calm state right because like it takes 
it takes as much energy to worry about something as it does to look at it in a positive light, right? So you might as well think of things positively and flip the switch and do some affirmations, right? Yeah, it took, you know, it takes a lot for me when I'm pregnant to focus, to not focus on the negative. And it is about reframing the negative to a positive. And I think that it, it takes a lot of work. And it's important to focus on the fact that I'm expecting a baby, not a loss. Yes, definitely. Right. Because you like when you focus on the negative, it just takes your mind there. Right. So you're right. You're focusing on your baby. And some days are loss. And some days are better than other days in a pregnancy, right? Like we know that, you know, you have great days, you have emotional days, your hormones play a massive factor in this too, right? Because when you're pregnant, your hormones are going crazy. They're spiking up. You have everything going on internally. And that definitely plays a part too in heightening the fear and anxiety that maybe if you had anxiety prior to getting pregnant, and you were managing it okay, and you were doing well with it, and then when you get pregnant, it kind of spikes up again, that can be a part in with your hormones as well. And one, so some days would be really good, and I could take it one day at a time. And, you know, I would only say my mantra like one or two times a day, it would be no big deal, um, because I was doing really well. And then, you know, you have an emotional day in your pregnancy, or you're just, you know, you're tired, or whatever. And sometimes it was too hard to take it one day at a time. So then I would take it, you know, one or two hours at a time or five hours at a time, or if it was really hard, I would take one hour at a time. And I would just keep telling my mat, saying my mantra every hour or every 10 minutes, or I would stop and I would say it for 10 minutes to try and get me to really focus in and reframe that negative thought. Because like you said, it takes the same amount of energy to believe as it does to worry and fear. And it is really important to try and stay present in the moment of that pregnancy, as opposed to being fearful and focusing on the lot, you know, the fear of loss um, or the anxiety of the unknown if things are okay. Well, one thing that, that kind of goes along with the whole mantra thing is meditation. So like I found, especially when I was pregnant with the boys, like I would like meditate and like say my mantra, right? Like I'd be like, I am pregnant, I am healthy, like kind of go over how well the pregnancy was going. And, and I would pick things that I was kind of like going over and over in my head while having like meditation music playing and just kind of like, sitting there, eyes closed, relaxing. Um, And I found that that kind of helps bring you to center and focus, right? Like if you meditate and like, it's good to say your mantras wherever you are, but like sometimes like just sitting quietly and having that time makes it easier in some aspects to refocus on what it is you're trying to do, which is flip your your mindset on being pregnant and being healthy and, and keeping the baby safe. I'm not a big person with, with meditation. Like it's never, I, I don't enjoy yoga. I enjoy the nap that happens at the end, but I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy yoga. Like that's kind of what meditation is. It's kind of like the nap at the end. Well, that's exactly (laughs) it. What I was going to say is like, 
I'm not one who would who regularly meditates, but when I do, I do see, I feel the benefit, right? Like it, the stress, the, the stress level, your body relaxes, your mind relaxes. It's just your breathing and something as simple as just cooling your breathing and calming your breathing makes a huge difference in your physical body. And so I always say like, Oh, after I meditate for whatever reason, if I'm spurred to meditate, because sometimes I do, I have this like moment of, okay, I'm going to meditate. I really need to meditate and calm down. And I do it and I feel great after. Um, so, you know, with the mantras and, and my breathe, you know, calming your breathing, I inadvertently do meditation without knowing it. But like Mm -hmm. you said, I do know that you do proper meditation where you take the time to be present and focus in the moment. And that's a really, uh, another thing that I think a lot of people, our lives are just so busy. We don't take the time to be present in the moment. And I think that's really, I know that was really true with my pregnancy with Freya because I was just, I always wanted to be not the stereotypical like pregnant woman who, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I was afraid to be, you know, seen as, you know, relaxing and taking the time. And I I don't think I was as present in my pregnancy with Freya as I wish I was now that I look reflectively back at it. And Freya's, you know, she's going to be turning five. And I think about her pregnant, her pregnancy. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't do any of that um, because I wasn't present. So in the future, you might regret not being present and those negative thoughts and the anxiety can overtake that presence in your pregnancy if that makes sense I it makes sense in my head when I'm trying to thinking about it but I don't know if it actually translates yeah no I know what you're you're saying and it's funny because like the whole being present thing like it's one of those things that even through the hard moments of the baby stages right like I know I remember with Caroline in particular night feedings and like trying to be present and mindful and smelling your head and stuff like to kind of like make myself feel better about about the night feedings and remembering that it was going to be such a short period of time even though it felt long while I was doing it because because she was my second pregnancy and I know how fast it all went with the boys I knew that like it felt long but it would fly by in a flash which of course it did although in the moment it doesn't feel like that but taking the time to be present for those little moments even like the hard ones sometimes in the future you kind of appreciate it if that makes sense because it's not that I really loved being up in the middle of the night but like now that Caroline's too I kind of look back at some of those nighttime feedings with fondness even though I was so tired because it was just kind of like me and her, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah. But like, I, and I, you know, I don't mean to jump off that or kind of steer in another way, but kind of going back to kind of a way that I dealt with my kind, my fear and my anxiety in earlier in pregnancy, second trimester, mid, mid to late second trimester, is I had a friend who gifted me her fetal Doppler. And I used that a lot when I had those moments of fear or 
in the end of second trimester, beginning of third trimester, where I couldn't, you know, I was like, oh, I don't know if I've, I've been so busy and not present that I didn't pay attention to movement. So I had, I did use, I know some people don't like them. I really liked having a Doppler. It was a great reassurance for me. The only caveat to that is using a fetal Doppler does take some practice and some skill to be able to find and differentiate the heartbeat. Um, so it does add challenges of finding the heartbeat before 16 weeks. So if you use it before 16 weeks, it can actually cause more anxiety and more fear. If you're trying to find the heartbeat, you can't locate it because it's so tiny. It's hard to pinpoint, um, even though everything's fine. I know. So I would wait later on in my pregnancy in seconds in my second trimester before I bring out the Doppler. But I will say I, I know there are lots of women who use it and it, it did release some of my fear. And I really used it a lot in Maeve's pregnancy because I had a anterior placenta and that caused a whole nother level of, uh, of anxiety for me because of the challenge of feeling movement with an anterior placenta. You also have to know that even like as the baby's bigger, sometimes it's hard to find it with the Doppler, especially when you don't know what you're doing. Cause I know even ROB, the one time with Caroline had trouble locating her heartbeat just because of the way she was positioned. But I had been feeling her move around, so I knew everything was fine. So I wasn't freaking out. But like, I remember thinking, why is it taking him so long to find the heartbeat? And I, I'm like, if she hadn't been moving like five minutes ago, I probably would have been freaking out, right? Yeah, because so, normally a doctor is pretty quick. Like they feel yeah. your belly and they locate pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, it, he's like, it's just the way she's, she was like moved or whatever that he just couldn't get it really well. So, And, and when was that in your pregnancy? I was big. Like, I want to say it, I was definitely in the thirties. Wow. Right? Yeah. yeah. So like, like I was big. It can be, you know, even later in your pregnancy, it is harder to, it can yeah. be hard to find your, the heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. So I will say like, I used a fetal Doppler to help with my anxiety. I found that it helped, but there were also times I will admit that it caused more anxiety, even you know, because of the way they were positioned or, you know, they were moving around and I couldn't track it. And then you kind of get this cold sweat and your breathing starts to pick up and that anxiety kicks in. And you're like, oh my God. And it's like, had I done that, I wouldn't have, you know, if I had chosen not to use the Doppler, I wouldn't have worried even though, yeah. you know, so it's, you have to think about it. But for me, at most of the times it did help. There will, there were times that it did cause anxiety <laughs> yeah well you just can if you go the doppler route you just have to accept that you may have a time where it takes you a little bit of time to find the heartbeat so you need to not freak out right until you know it's taking you way too long type thing right yeah no you're absolutely yeah. no, you are totally right in that yeah because you do have to use it with caution and be prepared to not find a heartbeat because of the positioning and yeah. Yeah. You're and right. that and that's the only reason why the doctor couldn't find Caroline. And he never had that issue with the boys. And it was just the one time with her. And I don't know if her back was like it was probably had to do with her placenta and because I think she was interior as well. 
And yeah, if she was like positioned with her back towards them, right? Like, who knows? Her butt, who knows? Well, yeah, the anterior placenta adds a whole new level of fear and anxiety because when we say anterior placenta, we mean that the placenta has attached to the front of the uterus as opposed to the back, the back facing your back side of the uterus. And, and it acts as like the placenta itself acts as a buffer or a pillow that kind of muffles the movements and the kicks on your belly. So it can be harder to feel those kicks even later in your pregnancy um, it definitely delays feeling the movement, mm-hmm. the first movements. And, um, you know, it can be a source of anxiety where women say, oh, yeah, you know, I felt my baby at 17 or 18 weeks. Have you felt yours? And if you're in your early 20s and you're like, no, I haven't felt it. And then you start worrying that something's wrong. No, nothing's wrong. You could have an anterior placenta, which is muffling everything. Um, so that when you find that out and it's okay to ask your doctor if you don't know where your placenta location is ask your doctor is it in the front or the back because that can also give you a reassurance of oh am I not feeling movement or strong movement that could be because if I know that I have a anterior placenta okay that makes sense right it's I know that check that's one less thing that I have to worry about the other thing is that I just want to mention is with Googling everything sometimes also doesn't make things better. (laughs) No, Dr. Google is terrifying. Yeah. So if Google is causing you more anxiety than, than it should be like, stop, you need, you might need to stop Googling things. Like, even if this is your first baby and you're like, is this normal? Is this not normal? But you know, if it's making your, anxiety skyrocket you know don't do it you know ask someone you know um, what their experience was have someone else check like yeah sometimes when you do it yourself you just go down the wrong rabbit hole yeah or just write it on a post-it note or in your phone with a list of questions for when you go to your next doctor's appointment and then you have those questions right that's what i did i didn't google anything um, yeah, because I was too afraid of Dr. Google. And uh, yeah, so I would go into ROB and and my GP, but like for ROB, I would have a list of questions for on my phone for him when I go in and be like, okay, let's just go through. Um, and that was where I got my information. And what I'm saying is don't Google stuff about your early pregnancy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Dangerous. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That's also that really could be bad. Yeah, I'm back to the scary. early early pregnancy stuff. Yeah, just try not to Google stuff. Once you start going to your doctor regularly and stuff, you'll have lots of questions and lots of time to get answers. But yeah, Google frightens me sometimes. And it's funny because like even like with kids, like if there's something that you see on your kid and you're like, should I Google it? Should I not Google it? <laughs> All right. Uh, because every time you Google something about yourself, you automatically think something horrible has happened to you. So it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think one thing that is really, really important is that, or at least for a lot of women, the fear, the anxiety, those negative thoughts during pregnancy and especially early pregnancy can be 
can be crippling, really. They can be overwhelming and constant and really scary. And if you are struggling with this, I think it's really, really important to make sure you talk about that. You tell your doctor, you tell your midwife, you talk to a therapist or a counselor so that you are voicing these fears and these anxieties so that you're not internalizing them. Because when you internalize them, they can take over. And when you voice them and you have someone who can help listen and hear you and validate your concerns, but then help you and give you strategies to move past it, that can help you deal with that. And there's no shame in getting professional help and talking to someone because you should never, and this is for in pregnancy and in motherhood and just generally in life is that you should never suffer alone in your fear and anxiety. You deserve to have support and help. And so advocate for yourself and please make sure that you talk to someone if you are really suffering with fear and anxiety. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.